In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Nations podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are joined by a special guest tonight. We have uh, our next guest picker in our guest picker series this season. We have Drew Parker with us, a return guest from last year. Drew, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see you. We were talking off air about how it's hard to be bad when the dogs are playing like they've been playing, huh? It, it, you got that right. It's always uh, it makes for an easy fall so far. That's right. That's right. So interestingly enough, they've got Vandy coming to town this weekend to Athens for homecoming. So a little flavor of Nashville in the classic city this season. Um, and I know you got something big going on Saturday in Nashville playing the Opry this weekend. Tell me about that. How exciting is that? I know that can't ever get old, can it? Never gets old, man. This will be uh, this will be my third time playing the opera stage, and I mean, it's still it don't make sense to me that I get the opportunity to do that because I mean, I you know I grew up going there, watching my heroes play there, and and hearing stories about my heroes. It don't get any better than that. I mean, it's the biggest it's the biggest stage. It's the one that uh, everybody dreams about, and it's definitely it's number one on the bucket list. And to know that I have checked it off twice already and get to do it a third. And did I see Sister Hazel is on the card Saturday night too? I think I think that might be right. Yeah, man, a little all for you. Taking it back to the 90s, I'm all about that, man. I was a 90s kid, so I saw that. I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so single out now, Little Miss Saturday night, doing well, great tune. So how are things going with that? And I also want you to talk a little bit about house band because, brother, let me tell you something. I can put that thing on repeat and commute on it for an entire week. I mean, I just, I love it to death. So. Yeah. Uh, put out little Miss Saturday night, not too long ago. And it's, uh, it's doing great. It's the first song that I ever recorded that I did not write, which is weird to me because I've written, I mean, I've been in Nashville seven years now and have written hits for other artists. And it seemed that, you know, I was going to record stuff that I wrote, but it's so weird, man, because I've kind of put myself in the shoes of, like, the guys that I've written songs for, wanted to hear songs that I may not have gotten a chance to write, but definitely something that I would have wrote. And so not only have I been writing songs, but I've been listening to outside songs and really just wanting to, you know, find songs that I wish I would have wrote kind of thing. And Right. Um, you know, I think there's some great artists out there that did that. Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, those are, I mean, both of those guys are great songwriters, but um, they recorded great songs too that they didn't write. And that's kind of been my MO um, over the last little while as far as recording new music. And Little Miss Saturday Night was one. It's uh, my new single. It's out at SiriusXM right now, The Highway. They're playing it a lot. And so it's doing great, man. You know, it's the fans seem to really like it. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to play live too. That's always and what uh, what a perfect one to play at the Opry on a Saturday night, right? I, I know. 
know. I know. It's so funny because I, it's, I've played it, uh, you know, I've been playing it over the last few months, and it's kind of weird to not play it on a Saturday night. It's so uh, <laughs> to get to play it at the Opry this coming Saturday night, it's going to be, it's going to be super special. I mean, there's no better Saturday night than at the Opry to get to sing a song. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to play that one uh, Saturday night. Is one of the low key coolest parts about that, that you get to see your name on the hat show print from that night. I mean, I just think that's so neat, man. It is. I mean, there's so many small little things that happen uh, throughout that night. I mean, just getting your own green room, um, you know, seeing, I mean, you never know who's going to be back there. Uh, right. You never can tell who, you know, that's really cool too. Somebody you might randomly be performing with that night. It's, that's really cool. And, you know, having your name on the little uh, hat show print is super cool. Getting, I actually put one in a frame yesterday to send with my parents back down to Georgia, my little, my, I grew up in Covington, Georgia and my hometown, they, you know, my hometown is known for film and, and movies and TV shows. And uh, so they got like a little museum down there for, you know, showcasing all the shows and movies that have been filmed in Covington. But the guy who put it together, he hit me up and he was like, Hey, we want, you know, we don't want to just showcase that if there's something that you have, and so I put my debut Opry hat show print in a in a frame and sent it down there to to be in that little. That was super cool because I mean you see that and I mean it that I mean that says a lot just by looking at a picture being able to see my name on on a Grand Ole Opry you know hat show. Oh, that's awesome! I think that's such a cool thing and what a fun thing for to ha- kind of have that be a part of the legacy of your hometown too. I mean, what a what a gift that is. Yeah, man, the first yeah. time I played the Opry, I was or, or came to the Opry, I was in town for uh, a conference. And I was like, well, I'm, I am not going to be in Nashville and not go to the Opry. So I went by myself and uh, sat, man, I don't know, I ended up getting a pretty good seat. I was probably like, I don't know, 14 or 15 rows back on the right side. And uh, Chris Young and Craig Morgan ended up playing. And I didn't even know who's on the, the docket that night. I was just going to go. And I can't remember, I think it was Chris Young. They had a range. No, no, it was Craig Morgan. They had a range with him before the show. And this guy, Craig singing a song, and this guy came up and proposed to his girlfriend at the Opry while Craig singing the song. I mean, dude, it was awesome. Like, really cool thing. Whole pl- whole place went crazy. Like, it was, it was real cool. So, well, I want you to tell me a little about House Band pretty much selfishly because I just love the song, man. I I'm not lying when I say I have gone full weeks where it's my commute. I just put it on repeat. I just like it that much. I, I think it's, I think it's so raw and, and the way it's cut on the acoustic. It's just, man, it just, it takes you any place. I think you want it to take you emotionally, but tell me the story about writing that kind of the genesis of that and, and what it's, what it's birth story is. Yeah. That, you know, I would say that's definitely top three. Um, I love, I grew up on country music, obviously, but I love sad country songs. Like yeah, the sadder, the sadder it is, like the more, the, the better it is for me. It's like <laughs> when I'm at, if I'm at the gym and I got my headphones on, somebody's like, what are you listening? What, what are you listening to while you're working out? It's like, I'm not listening to rap. I'm not listening to like screamo or anything. I'm listening to the saddest country song ever. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, but I, I love sad country songs and i 
had come up with that idea. I was still living in Georgia when I had come up with the idea of house band, um, writing that song. And I, I wrote it down on my phone, and I had it in my phone for years, um, even after I moved to Nashville, before I ever really attempted to write it. And I, I knew kind of what I wanted to do with it, and but I was kind of terrified to write it because I knew how cool that title was. Yeah. In the angle, in the angle that we attacked it, and so when I felt the time was right, and I really had my head wrapped around it, and I took it to two buddies of mine that I trusted could help me write this song and and uh their names are dustin huff and wyatt mccubbin and we sat down and i was like listen i got this idea called house band i said it has nothing to do with a band at a bar i said it's literally this guy so lonely he's sitting at home the house is dead quiet except for every small little noise that is driving him crazy to me there's a line in that song that like kind of says it all um and it's like uh I, I got to think of it because it's, it's hard to think of the lines if I'm not singing it right. <laughs> yeah, I get uh, that. It basically says the, the quiet when the quiet is so loud. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, that line just kind of says it all to that song. It's like when you're so lonely and it's so quiet in the house, basically because she's gone. Right. Um, yep. The quietness is louder than anything because you hear the ceiling fan turning, you hear every noise and that's what I wanted the house band to be. It's all these lonely noises of, of this guy that this guy's hearing. It's literally as sad as you could possibly get with a country song without someone having to die. Um, and so <laughs> that's why I love it. And I, and I wanted to strip it down in, in that way and, and record it that way because, to me, that was kind of the magic that day when we wrote it just with a guitar kind of in the room. I was like, man, it don't need anything more than what we just created. And so that's what we decided to do when we went in. And, you know, we talked about maybe in the future doing some sort of stripped down uh, band thing, but, but I don't know. I, you know, it's maybe one day, but I loved what we did with it um, in that sense. Well, I think it just being that lonely acoustic fits the theme of that song so perfectly because I think it hits the tenor that you're trying to hit. And man, that open just grabs you and hits you right in the face from the start, right? Like 10 o'clock news on the TV, water dripping in the kitchen, hitting that metal sink. Like you can just, I don't know, man. It's just, I love the take on it and I love how it sets it all up. And everybody's been there at least at one point, right? And so, man, I just think it's a killer. So you knocked out of the park on that, brother. You just should know that for sure. And the line is, the line, I just remembered the line. It's crazy how loud the quiet gets. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good, man. It's so good. Damn this house band. I love it, brother. So well, um how are I guess we're getting to the end of the touring portion of the calendar, right? But you what are you in New Mexico Friday before you're at the Opry on Saturday? Is that right? Yeah, I fly Thursday morning to Dallas and I play Midland, Texas Thursday night and Albuquerque Friday night and then fly back to Nashville Saturday morning to play the opera Saturday night. It's, I got a hectic week coming up. Uh, yeah. A few days. I'm looking forward to the shows, not looking forward to the other part of it. Uh, well, Hey, it is, I, I am jealous. Yeah. You're going to be in green chili country and have you a little bit of hatch chilies while you're there. So that's it. That is it. Yeah. I'm going to be out there, uh, Thursday and Friday night with John party opening up for him. Um, 
out in Midland, Texas, and Albuquerque Friday night, and then be back for the opera Saturday night. It's going to be a great, great weekend. Uh, I will probably be absolutely exhausted, but it's going to be good. <laughs> and then after the opera show on Saturday, what is the end of the tour season looking like? When does it all kind of wrap up, and, and where are the last couple of places that you're playing? Yeah, I got a few other things on the calendar the rest of the year. I'm playing a show um, in Hendersonville, Tennessee, basically where I live, kind of. I don't live far from there, but it's right outside Nashville. And um, I'll be playing a show there in a couple weeks. Then I'll be in Missouri the night after that. Then I have, like, I'm playing down, I'm playing a, um, like, a writer's round thing down at Georgia Southern for, like, their booster club. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, with our good friend Ray Fulcher. I, I think that's about it. Um, I got, you know, maybe a few other things. But I, I kind of took the fall to kind of reset a little bit, try to write some more songs to put out some new music. And then come springtime, uh, after the first of the year, we're going to be hitting the road really, really hard and uh, should have an announcement about. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Hopefully you'll be making your way somewhere in the low country of South Carolina so we can come out and see you. So we'll have uh, fingers crossed on that one, brother. All right. Well, good, good. We like to hear that. Well, um, well, I know as you've been pursuing everything musically, you've also been keeping track of the dogs. So tell me what your thoughts are thus far on this year's team. Obviously, it's kind of like a transition point, right? Because everybody was so invested and had so um, much attached to last year's run. And this is kind of like getting to meet a whole new friend, right? So what have your thoughts been so far um, and, and kind of what are your feelings on how things are going to continue to progress? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's interesting to see the maturity of a guy like Steph, defensive guys coming in here with a lot of with a lot of new guys, you know, yep. right? And so it's the, the weight of that balance has been interesting to me, and you can you can see some of the flaws in some of that newness, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but we're still winning ball games, and that's all that matters. You know, 10 years from now, nobody cares, you know, that Missouri took us to the end, right? Right. They're going to look and see that we won the game. And so that's where that maturity comes into play is finding ways to win ball games. And to me, that's what makes it – I mean, you, I hate to reference Bama here, but you've seen it from them time and time and time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. How many – I mean – Think about, you know, years ago when, when Georgia was beating the absolute breaks off of them and they found a way to win. That's what makes Alabama a championship team. And I think that's what we're seeing from Georgia right now is they find those ways to win. And that says a lot about Kirby's leadership and the staff that he's put together to find ways to win these ballgames. Um, I I have been interested. In, and, you know, obviously I think we, we all kind of found out I did recently that Stetson's kind of playing hurt a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of a shoulder injury, I believe. Um, it's been interesting to see us run the ball as much as we have. I, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, we were RBU for years, you know, with Todd Gurley and no Sean Marino. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I mean, we were that team. And I feel like over the last two years, we've kind of haven't really seen it as prevalent as we have in years past. Right. Um, but these last two weeks, I mean, I feel like we've really, really run the ball a lot. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with maybe Stetson being hurt or are we trying to, you know, lay that groundwork 
to be that team again, um, but also have put together this receiver pack. And I, I, I love it. It looks like we're we're doing things to make us a very, very, very incredible, well-rounded team um, by finding all these different outlets. Um, and also, you know, it doesn't hurt that we ran the ball a lot this week. Yeah, that's a good point. It's been interesting to me, you know, A.D. Mitchell essentially played one game and one snap so far this season. I think he played three snaps Saturday, but it was pretty obvious he's not fully back from the ankle issue yet. And I think that has been part of the issue is he is such a precise route runner and such a safety blanket, and it causes defense to account for him and put resources on him and thus frees up other folks and allows the scheme to work. And absent that, I think you've seen steadily as the weeks have crept on, they have taken away that short passing game that they were using initially as sort of an edge running game. And what I think has been good about the second half of Mizzou and then into Auburn is they've discovered a running game. And I think ultimately that's going to be great for us because now we know, okay, we can stretch it vertically if we need to, because Stetson missed three wide open deep plays on Saturday. So they're still able to take the top off, which I love, but they're establishing a power running game. And I I think some of that happened at Mizzou by necessity. I think they were trying to do all this, zone blocking and all this type stuff. And they're fine. Look, we're just going to put hat on hat and just maul people and figure it out. And I really thought they were dominant on Saturday. I mean, you know, you have Branson Robinson, Dejon Edwards, both almost hit a hundred yards. So it's fantastic. And so the, the more depth they have, the better. And I think too, even if you think back to the national title game, right, what's the drive where we kind of put the boot on the throat it wasn't the throw to AD. It was the drive that ended in the Brock Bowers TD that was set up by essentially seven straight runs. So Kirby wants that in the arsenal, and I think he feels more comfort in that. I also think it gives them the option to control some clock if the defense seems like it may be tired or they need to stretch a game or, or whatever it may be. But let me ask you this. Have you been, I guess, the defense has looked different but have you been content with how they've played thus far given their youth and given Jalen Carter's injuries since game one as well? Um, I mean, content, but yeah, I would, I would say content. Uh, would, would I like to see more? Sure. We're all so young. And then I look at a guy like Malachi Starks and I say, well, we're young, but that guy's a stud, right? So, yep. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I think there's always room. The Missouri game, I, it, it, exposed us scary to me Um, yeah that's that's the one game that you know tennessee and alabama they're gonna go right to that game and figure out what was they're gonna execute i think we need to go watch that game film and figure out what were we doing wrong to keep these teams that are gonna go watch that so you know there's a lot of things there's definitely a lot of room for improvement um i I just you know i still miss and and maybe it's because jalen carter's missing but because he's missing, someone needs to step up, and I'm I'm missing that just absolutely explosive player. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and it's been interesting. You know, I James and I talk about this on the show a lot. That every football team, year to year, is this living, breathing organism, and they are 
evolving and growing and figuring out who they are and what they're going to be. And I think this team is very much in that right now. And I think in some ways coming out of the gate so hot against Oregon was almost like, you know, fool's gold, right? Cause everybody goes, okay, well, we can kind of take it off the gas a little bit. We're going to be just fine. And that's, that's looking more and more like a banner win every week. I mean, Oregon's been scoring 40 points a game since then and haven't lost, which great. I'm the biggest Ducks fan on the planet until the end of the year. I hope they win the darn pack 12 because it's good for us, you know, but I think in some ways, you know, they were blowing them up like a hot air balloon. It was, they had played so good. And so in some ways, I think they have their flaws because of that youth, but they're evolving. And I'm, I'm excited to see what they end up being when they get healthy. You know, Arian Smith's getting back, who I think is so explosive and exciting. Don Blaylock is contributing more every week, and he was so great in 2019. And then if AD gets back healthy, we have obviously seen what he can do. And I think one of the cool parts about all this has been the emergence of Darnell Washington, who I have jokingly said should change his high school in the media guide to the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters because he's just an absolute mutant. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's it's been cool to watch that. And I think that's only going to benefit us as we get down the road. And I think the good news, too, is Bama looks vulnerable. And I'm going to tell you what, Tennessee going to give them all they want on Saturday. So I'll tell you what, that's going to be – that might be the biggest game and most exciting game. Yeah, 100%. And at think about in, this. At least until we get to, you know, playoff time. But that is – I mean, Neyland Stadium might fall down from how loud that place is going to be. It might, brother. So I saw somebody, uh, somebody tweeted today. They said – the last time Tennessee beat Alabama at Neyland Stadium, no one could take an Uber home from the game. No one could go home after the game and watch Netflix. Nobody could send an iPhone message after it happened, because but they could go and rent, uh, what was the movie they said? Something like Fight Club at Blockbuster Video or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, brother, it's, it has been a long time. So, yeah, I agree. And think about this now. What if Tennessee wins that ball game? That's setting up for them to come to Athens in early November for what's fixing to be one versus two if they're both still undefeated, which would just be wild. Athens would be crazy. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. Well, speaking on that vein, man, let's pick some games. So I got a full, good slate yeah. this year. You were painfully close last year to taking home the belt. Started out hot. What did you finish? What'd you finish six and four, I think, and seven and three won it last year. I think. Wow. I think that's right. I have to double check with James. Maybe eight and two won it. And you were seven and three. I know you were real close. So it's vengeance time, brother. That's it. And first game, wow. man, a lot of good games this week. I think this said something like first time in a decade, there's been three undefeated teams or six undefeated teams, three games with undefeated teams playing each other all in one weekend. So, a lot wow. of cool matchups, and one of them is this first one. Penn State going into the big house to play Michigan. Michigan is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this battle of the unbeaten. So, you liking that one? Uh, man, I mean, I'm going to have to go Michigan. They are – they look very stout. Uh, you know, they and, – and a lot of years they've done this. They, a lot of years they come out looking stout, and then they lose the most ridiculous game ever. Um, 
but they just they seem to have it a little more together this year. I think Harbaugh he he might know that if he doesn't put together good, no longer exist uh, in that town. But you know, I don't know. I, I but I'm I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Michigan here. All right, James is taking Penn State. He uh, I think this is probably more of a pick against Michigan just because he can't bring himself to do it. Also, I think he does have yeah. some something in there for Penn State. I think he likes Sean Clifford at quarterback there too. I am also going to take the Wolverines. I'm just not convinced on Penn State. You know, they're pretty much their quote-unquote signature win was going to the Plains and beating Auburn. And boy, does Auburn stink yep. out loud. I mean, they are yeah, bad. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, I agree. That, that's that's what I based. That's, you know, I've watched Michigan a few times, but I, I mainly based it off of strength of schedule and, and who they played, and, and I just don't. Brother, did you hear the story about last weekend in the first quarter? Uh, former Michigan running back and current Michigan running backs coach Mike Hart had a seizure on the sideline during the game. I did. I was, I, uh, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, this past Saturday at the NASCAR event that they were having out there, watching football on my phone, and got a Twitter saw on Twitter that uh, this had happened. And obviously, at the time, nobody knew what was going. On. How terrifying! How horrible for those players. Oh, uh, man, I, that's all I could think is how, how could you focus after all that? So, yeah. And l- luckily, uh, I, from everything I read, he is back in Ann Arbor, and apparently all vitals are good, all that stuff. So certainly want to cover uh, Mike Hart and his family in prayer and that Michigan family as well, but that was super scary. So hopefully he will be back and on the sidelines soon. Quick detour that you bring up the NASCAR race. Can't believe I didn't ask you about that before this, but I got to know. I need you to tell me about, coach joe gibbs now how was that oh yeah man that was super cool uh so uh nascar had invited me out uh, they do this program with different people or whatever um to kind of help promote their invite a guy like myself out um for me to you know post on social media and give me the whole experience and I, i've been a nascar fan my whole life i'm a mainly stock cars so i'm a i'm a nascar fan and they are just – they're trying to grow their fan base, and I want the fan base to be bigger than it is. Um, and, you know, it's it's had some down years. And it's just to, you know, to showcase, man, this is a lot more than what it seems on TV, you know. Yeah. The experience in person. And, and I'll tell you, the, well, the one cool thing about NASCAR is there's no other sport in the entire world that gives the fan more access than NASCAR does. Yeah. Um, the, the NASCAR fan has access to the drivers pretty much at any point during the weekend, except for when, um, and so it's, it's super cool. And, and I was super excited, but yeah, we were at this little thing where they, uh, it's just this little thing that they do on Sunday where all the drivers are there and, um, cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and all those good things before the race. And man, coach Gibbs was just standing there and I was like, Man, I, if I don't – he was by himself. Nobody was talking to him. And I was like, if I don't go over there and say hello to him, I will regret this forever. And so uh, I went and spoke to him, and he pulled out one of his little Coach Gibbs tracks and signed it for me and handed it to me. Uh, it was a it was a great experience. Man, that's too cool. I, I grew up in small-town Virginia and was a just diehard Redskins fan. And, uh, you know, during the glory days when he was there, late 80s, early 90s, during the first run, and then obviously loved it when he came back for the second run. And, you know, I, I think beyond that, he, 
by, by all accounts, I, I've never heard anybody say a cross word about him. Um, just supposed to be a, a, a good, good man. And so, yeah, I saw that on your, your IG and I was like, man, Drew got to meet coach. Gibbs. Come on now. Yep. Yeah. So th- that's so cool, man. I'm, I'm fired up. You had to have that experience. Don't you think, I don't mean to take a huge detour here, but don't you think NASCAR would benefit from doing a series like F1, like a reality series and, and showed it to the general populace so they could like get the storylines and kind of figure out the reality side of it and like get a stake in it type thing. And they, and they did, and it, and it just come out, uh, uh, but their rollout plan for it was kind of pitiful. Uh, they didn't promote it right. You put all the money into creating this thing, you have to promote it. And yeah, it was, just, you know, it, Without getting into details, I think it was just completely uh, a flop on their part yeah. of how they rolled it out. Um, you know, they're they're wanting to get a younger fan base, but they didn't put it out on streaming. They put it out to Wednesday nights at 10 p.m., whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it's just, you know, figure out they're – not, they're not thinking outside the box. They're, they're still considering their old fan, which is mm. great. They need to. But to grow the way F one has grown is because of the younger fan and NASCAR needs. Yeah, I agree, man. I think I just think it's cool, you know. And obviously, if you're from the southeastern part of the country, I want NASCAR to be big just because it's part of the culture of the region, right? And obviously, it's a it's a national sport now, but you know, it's its roots are here, and so yeah, man, I, I I want it to continue to grow. I think too, it's like everything else, right? Sports do great when they've got great rivalries and great athletes. Like, dude, in the 90s, it was Dale Hernart and Jeff Gordon and Rusty Wallace. And, like, man, you had these huge monster personalities who, even if you weren't a huge race fan, you knew who they were. You know what I mean? And for sure. They need that now. So, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you had that experience. That's awesome. Um, All right. Second game is Minnesota playing surprise illinois both of them only have one loss illinois was in a rock fight last weekend nine six i mean they set offense back about 50 years but they got out of there with the win i think brett beatleman was a good fit there minnesota with our guy pj fleck row the boat they are a three and a half point road favorite who you liking that one man i'll tell you what this was probably one of the tougher ones for me this week yeah uh, or for me to pick from um, and if and if Minnesota hadn't just been handed their loss, that it yeah. wouldn't have been tough. But just being handed their first, um, but I still think for whatever reason, I literally wrote down Illinois. But I think I, I keep I, this is why it's so tough. I wrote down <laughs> Illinois, but I think I'm gonna go. I'm- All right, I love it. James is also taking the Gophers. I am as well. James would tell you that I, I can't. I just can't pitch. Pick against Coach Fleck. I love me some P.J. Fleck. So I'm row the boat all day. I'll take that. You know, I love what Illinois is doing. I think it's cool. I think Brett Beatham was a nice fit there, and I think football is better when they are competitive. Um, I mean, you know, you think about back in the 90s and they had Simeon Rice and those guys. I mean, it was cool. And, you know, Luke Ford's there who was at UGA, and so always root for him and hope he does well. Um, But I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers too. So I think we're all three on on that boat. All right, next one is the game of the day, game of the year so far. Uh, Alabama 
wounded Alabama going into Neyland Stadium. And I, you are right, brother. They better check the foundations on that bad boy before they let all them people in there because it might fall down as loud as they're going to be. Somebody make sure there's no golf balls and mustard bottles in that stadium, though. Let's just put that out there, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alabama is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and it is seeming like um, Bryce Young is going to play. So I, I do think that is a big variable. Um, also, I saw Tennessee starting safety got arrested for felony assault over the weekend. So I don't think he is going to play, um, which that's a big deal. So, yeah. What do you think on that one? Alabama minus seven and a half on the road. <laughs> this was the hardest one for me, man. I, well, this was number, this was number two hardest for me. Um Man, you know, it's this one's a two. This one is is so hard for me in more ways than just what's up, what what's at stake here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I moved to Nashville seven years ago, and I didn't like Tennessee, but I hated Florida, right? Yep. Well, I got to Nashville and quickly, quickly <laughs> found a a a bigger hate, a much more passionate, or as Sandra Bullock would say, the gaudy orange of you. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it is, and it is so hard for me to even think about, but I think, I think they might do it. That place is going to be so loud. I don't care if Bryce Young is back. He might be back for a couple plays because them boys are going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. That place yep. is going to be so loud. He ain't going to be able – there's no, There's going to be no audibles called at the line. You forget that. Call a timeout. That's not going to happen. Um, and because – it's only because this game is at Neyland Stadium. Um, I think – I think can cover seven and a half. So, James is going to take the Crimson Tide. I'm with you, brother. I'm taking the Vols. And, boy, does it pain me to say it. I mean, I, yeah. it, it, it would be just fine with me. If the river overflowed and both of them had to forfeit, I mean, I, I just, <laughs> I, I'd prefer not to root for either one of them. But I agree, I agree with you, man. Needland is going to be beyond bananas, and dude, they're a good football team. I mean, Hendon Hooker's playing they good are. football, and yeah. to your point, to, uh, Alabama did not look good in the other rowdy environment they played in when they went to Austin and played Texas. And Bryce Young was healthy for that whole game, and they didn't look great. And if Quinn Ewers hadn't gotten hurt, ah, that game might have looked a little different too. So, yeah, man, I, I just like Tennessee. I think they got a lot of, you know, a lot of momentum right now. It's always hard to pick against Nick. If this number was a little lower, I would probably take Bama. But I really I like think, Tennessee think, plus seven think, and a half. I do think Bama wins this game. Same. I'm the same. It goes back to my point very early. They are a championship team, and they find ways to win ball games. Mm-hmm. They yep. find ways to win ball games, but I don't think. I think it's going to be close. I think it 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 may be um, time running. Yeah, that, um, I I agree. With, I agree with all that. I, I I feel the same way. I think Alabama will eke out a win just because they know how to win, and Tennessee is still learning that. Um, but boy, it's going to be close. 
And it's going. They will have earned the cigars this year. Let's just put it that way. So. Yep. And let, and, and let me say this too. Like, because it is. It all goes back. My whole decision. Them playing at Neyland Stadium, and you have to consider these days. You got to consider field goals, right? Yeah. That place is going to be so loud. It ain't going to be easy to kick a field like something as small as that. I mean, I just that place is going to be. I can't wait to see on TV, you know, like the decibel meter. Mm-hmm. That place yeah. is going to be insanely loud, and thank God the Bulldogs. Yeah, man, I, that that is a that is a happy blessing that that they got to come play between the hedges because that that's going to be an interesting game, man. I, I think that stretch for Georgia where they play Tennessee and then go down to Starkville the week after and play Mississippi State, and it, it, that's an interesting little two game stretch. I think the Kentucky game. A little bit of the shine has come off that just because I think they've been exposed a little bit. They just don't have the explosiveness offensively, I don't think. I think they got to beat you in a rock fight, and Georgia's plenty equipped to win a rock fight. So that, that game makes me less nervous. But Will Rogers fixing to have a historic year in the SEC passing-wise. I think they said today if he stays on pace, only Joe Burrow will have had a more prolific passing season in the SEC than Will Rogers this year. So, you know, those are two games – Think about it a little bit, but yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking the balls this weekend, and boy, that is some that is some gaudy orange. Um, speaking of orange, we got we got the cow we got the cow pokes, Garth Brooks on Mater going to TCU to play the Horn Frogs, and the Horn Frogs have looked electric, and they are a three and a half point home favorite in this one. Who do you like in that one? Oh, I'm just Christian. They are they are. There's no way. There's no way that they – Oklahoma State, to me, this number, I don't know. I think TCU. Yeah, James is taking them too, and so am I. I love this TCU team. I got three siblings that all went to KU, so I was very, very tuned in to last weekend. And I was super impressed with their offense, man. They got a lot of speed. That kid, Max Duggan, the place quarterback, that boy can play. I mean, plus I can't remember the kid's name, but I think he's number one. Their wide receiver almost had – 200 yards, I think, in the first half receiving. So they got some dynamic playmakers, man. I mean, good, good ball team. And Sonny Dykes, good football coach. So, yeah, I, I like TCU in this game too. I think I think they are – they have a clear path to the conference title, you know. So I think they're going to be ready to roll. Um, this game is interesting just because Syracuse is another early season surprise. I think they were coming off a bye week and then early season – favorite NC State uh, coming off their tough loss to Clemson two weeks ago, but a nice little rebound against Florida State this past weekend. Got to go up to the Carrier Dome, always a tough place to play. To play Syracuse and the Orangemen, and Syracuse is a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. Who you liking that one? Oh, no. <laughs> We're coming from the hip, baby. I think I remember all my picks. <laughs> uh. We'll allow you revision if, if any of them are different. How oh, about that? I got them back. I got them back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm actually going to go NC State on this one. All right. Uh, I, I really don't like ever at least a you know a spread this low. I don't like going. Um, but I, and, and this is simply based off of, of prior week schedules. Yep, James taking the Wolfpack, too. This is a tough one for me, mainly because of my past picks. I've taken NC State two weeks in a row, and they burned me two weeks in a row. 
So I'm a little, uh, I'm a little hesitant to take them. And I feel like the carrier dome is always funky. Things happen in the carrier dome, especially when it involves the home team. So, uh, I'm just going to roll the dice on this mainly because I'm snake bit from the past two weeks. I'm going to take Syracuse, uh, but I do not feel confident about it at all. I hate that number four and a half um, feels more like a field goal game to me, but again, um, NC state burned me. So I'm, I'm coming off. Now you watch, they're going to burn me three weeks in a row. And then I'm just going to keep them off the pick list the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, Cause yeah. Florida state, they had late, late comeback win, but didn't cover. And then they couldn't cover as 10 and a half point dogs when they played Clemson. So they burned me twice. I'm, I'm off. Okay. Now, interesting story about the next one. We got JMU at Georgia Southern. We got the Dukes on there from James Madison because that's my boy's alma mater. So we've been riding them because they're one of only 15 undefeated teams left in FBS now. And it is their first year at Division One. And I don't think they're bowl eligible. I think they're still in that two year. You know, can't go to the postseason once you amp up. So, my boy is all kinds of fired up because his team's undefeated. So, JMU is a 10-and-a-half-point favorite going to play the Eagles of Georgia Southern. Who do you like in that one? Oh, the, I, you know, I hate pulling against a home. I love going. I'm actually going. But I, I don't – this James Madison team, they might – I don't know. They might could beat anybody. that they, uh, they are absolutely incredible. I just can't imagine them not covering. Yeah, well, my boys obviously take them too. James definitely taking his his alma mater. I'm going to take them too. Man, they got a really good defense. I think I haven't checked it this week, but as of last week, they had the number one defense in the country. And man, they just they play good football. And you know, it's funny. Georgia Southern's been funny this year. They seem like right there, and then have had some head scratchers, like the Georgia State game last week. I, I don't know what happened with that. Um, although in fairness, Georgia state's had a weird year too. So, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Dukes as well. So I think we're all three on, on that boat. Okay. This is another tough one, mainly because I think both these teams stink. So it makes it harder to pick, <laughs> but, uh, LSU coming off just an absolutely embarrassing loss in death Valley. They were singing Rocky top in death Valley and it was audible and, you know, Florida's been Florida. They, I mean, they beat Mizzou last weekend, but they've looked anything but impressive and kind of up and down with the whims of Anthony Richardson. But they are a two and a half point home favorite in the swamp. Who are you liking that one? This, I mean, who do I like? Neither one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is another one of those, but simply the fact that this game is in games. Yeah, they, they both are terrible, and I absolutely love knowing that they're both terrible. Um, but for the sake of having to pick, I think you got to take. I think James would rather have bamboo splinters put in his toes than pick Florida. So that's why he <laughs> took LSU. Um, I'm with you. I'm going to take Florida. It just feels nasty coming out of my mouth. I feel like I need to hold my nose while I say it. Um, but I, LSU's offense is just so bad. And yeah. I always have issues taking a road team that can't score. And that's the predicament in this game. I just – I don't think they'll score enough. And yep. as bad as Anthony Richardson's been, he's more of a weapon than Jaden Daniels and that LSU offense, which is a head-scratcher because with Kayshawn Butte and, like, I, they should be better than they are. Um, 
But an LSU team should never lose whatever it was, 40 to 17 at Death Valley. So something is going on there that I can't really put my finger on, but I don't like it. Um, so I'm also going to uh, go with the Gators on their home field, although, ugh, gross. What a – what a <laughs> that just feels, feels wrong to say it out loud. Um, yep. Okay, this is one that would have been, I think, a lot more interesting a couple weeks ago. Now – I don't know. I guess some of it's going to depend on the health of Will Levis, but Mississippi State and uh, Coach Leach's Cal Bell Pirate Ship is heading up to Lexington to play Kentucky. Kentucky coming off two straight losses, including losing to South Carolina last weekend, which, oof, tough. Mississippi State is a six and a half point road favorite. Who are you liking that one? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to roll uh, the Western. Man, you know, I. I don't have a problem with Mississippi State. I don't mind. I don't mind pulling for them, not one bit. I, Coach Leach, I think, is an awesome dude. I, oh yeah, he would be an incredible guy to play for. Yeah. Um, and I do think Will Levis is hurt and may not play, which make even if he is and was. James loves Coach Leach. I mean, I think the only other coach in America he likes more is Kirby Paul Smart and then Sam Pittman. But Mike Leach, yeah. like probably like one C. I mean, he loves him some Mike Leach and. I mean, his post-game interviews this year have just been outstanding, whether it was the wedding talk with Alyssa Lang last week or the pregame talk about coffee this past week. I mean, he is a national treasure and must be protected at all costs. Um, plus, man, Will Rogers, it's fun watching him in that offense. He's been in it now almost three full years, and um, I like what they do. And I will say this. I think they're winning this game, and I think they cover this. I'm also taking Mississippi State. But they tend to have a game every year where you go, what in the hell just happened? Like, they should not have lost that football game. I'm hoping it's not this weekend. I, I tell you, I do not like picking against Mark Stoops when he's in a corner. He seems like a dog. And so I know he's going to have them boys ready to play. But I just don't know if they've got the bullets, man, I, especially if Levis is 100%. And yeah. they lost to an old Miss team they should not have lost to. And then that South Carolina team stinks out loud. So, yeah. uh, Will Levis or not, they shouldn't lose that football game. Although I will say, how about Coach Beamer post game calling it back all the way to SEC media days, and then putting the sunglasses on and dancing on them? I mean, I, I ain't mad at it. It was spiteful, and I ain't mad at it one bit. It made me laugh out loud. So good on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. This is another interesting one because you got undefeated USC with Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, kind of a, a reborn Trojans team, but they got to go to Utah. Uh, Utah, tough football team, pretty much been undone in their two losses by Cam Rising turnovers. So if they can play a clean game, this is a real interesting matchup. Utah, a two-and-a-half-point favorite um, over the undefeated Trojans. Who do you like in that one? You know, I, I said earlier, it's hard to take – it's hard it, – well, I think I said it's easy to take the home this low. Um, this one was a little harder for me with USC, pretty stout wins. Um, and this boils down to Utah's loss last week, CLA team. I am killing time because I still don't know who I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to I love it. Uh, I mean, man. This is tough. My Man, goodness. This, this is a really say, tough one. I'll say I'll say I wrote down USC, but I think I'm gonna last minute simply because they're and they are coming up. And you know, if they win right here, 
If Utah win, they're they're a one loss in the conference. This is a big game for you. I like it. James is taking the Trojans, and I um man, this was a really tough one for me. I USC's been a weird team to me all year, mainly because their turnover differential is so high. It kind of bucks the trend. Like it can't stay that high all year. And it always makes you nervous to pick on a team that's kind of relying on short fields and turnovers. Um, I'm not real sold on their defense. And I think this is the toughest road environment they've played in all year. Cam rising, a really good player. And to your point, this is a huge game for Utah because if they can win this football game, they're still in the hunt, you know, and don't get it twisted. That UCLA team is good. Chip Kelly has got his guys, and it's looking like Eugene, Oregon from a decade ago right now in Pasadena. So that's that's a quality loss, in my opinion. Now, the Florida loss, I have a hard time explaining that one away. But I think Utah has the weapons to do this, and I think this is a real fun game. And I'm going to take the Utes as well, but this is a tough one. I mean, USC's good football. And Caleb Williams has been playing good and, and all those things. I just think there has to be a point where the turnover margin gets flipped and they lose the turnover battle. And then let's see what they do. I would have been a lot more confident in this Utah pick seven days ago before USC did what they did to Washington state. Cause I really thought Washington state was going to play them really tight. Um, so I thought that was a good win for USC, but I'm going with the Utes too. So we're both on that boat. Yeah. yeah I, if, 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 the, if the point spread was swung one point the other way, I'd probably roll with USC, but I, I... yeah. All right, last game of the day, and the most important one because it's got the red and black in it. This is more of a will they cover the number game because they are going to beat Vanderbilt. That's just a that's just a stone cold fact. But the number's big. Uh, number we had when we made the sheet was thirty eight and a half, and I think it may be a little bigger now. But we're going with thirty eight and a half. So the dogs minus thirty eight and a half for a homecoming duel with the Commodores. Who do you like in that one? Uh, Vanderbilt. And I, I will say this. I, I live in Nashville now. I, I have no problem with the Commodores. I wish they had a better a better fan base. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that Tennessee has already bought these tickets and has this map printed out of who's going to wear orange and who's going to wear <laughs> – like, they're going to grid the, the stadium there. That, yeah. that makes me sad for the Commodores. Because yeah. They, I love the town of Nashville. Um, and the town of Nashville deserves a really good college football team. Um, so I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for Vanderbilt. However, I do think the dogs are going to beat them. But I hate to do this. I don't know that I've ever done this. <laughs> but if there's anybody out there, if there's anybody out there who's listening to our picks and putting their hard-earned money on it, I'm going to have to roll with Vandy to cover. Only because of what they did with Miss and the way that we've been playing kind of sour. Um, and because of that, I think, you know, it might, we might beat them by 35, which I think we will. I don't know that we're going to beat them by 38 now. Yeah, man. And that's also, a big... let me, let me go. Let me, let me also say this. Let me say this. You told me when I first got on here that last year <laughs> I missed getting that belt by one pick <laughs> and I'm doing everything I can to put that thing on my bookshelf back here. Yes, indeed. I need to have it. And so for that reason, uh, you know, I, it doesn't mean I hate the dogs anymore, but I, I think Vandy covers 
Let me add this to it, too. The one we got this year is a faux gator skin, red gator skin, which we felt was apropos that a dog's title belt would have gator skin trophy. So, oh, it's going to be outstanding with that thing is ready. All right. James is doing what he doesn't normally do, and he's taking the dogs with the big number. I took Auburn last week because I hated the number. Because I think it was 29 and a half we picked last week. It made me very uncomfortable. And it was a real late cover. But I'm with you, man. I think I'm going to take Vandy to cover. 38 and a half is like an FCS number. And I know they blew the doors off him last year. But, dude, have you consumed anything with Clark Lee? Like, listen to him speak or anything like that? I'm not. Nope. Dude, he's good. Like, I like him. I, I listened to a podcast he did with Marty and McGee. And... Man, I came away super impressed and thought to myself, if they give him some time, you know, that's his, that's where he went to school. Like it's a, I think it's a great guy for that post. And I think you need a unique person for that post. And I think he can get some kids there where they can compete. I'm not saying that's now, but I'm just saying 38 and a half is a lot. Um, They're averaging, they're averaging 33 points a game. Yeah, man. I mean, they went to Hawaii and made Hawaii look like a JV team. And I wouldn't pick that in a million years. And they gave Ole Miss for three quarters all they wanted last weekend. So, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like this is going to be a peskier doors team than folks are used to. So, 38 and a half just feels big. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the dogs win 56 nothing. But I do too. I do too. Yeah. But I, but really I just – that belt, and I think yep. it's going to – I don't – 30, 38 and a half is that number, though, where it's like, at what point do you pull the, the, the starters out and start getting some reps deep in the – and it's always, like, around there, right? And so, like, yep. that's what kind of scares me on the 38 and a half number. Uh, it all You always seem to, like, especially this late in the year and we got who we've got coming up, like, mm-hmm. just to keep people from getting injured. Like, you pull players at a certain point, and I, I think it's well before you get – uh, up 38 and a half points. Agreed. I think this is a game where you might see not just Carson Beck, but also Brock Vandegriff at some point. And so, and, and that's fine on offense. I feel great about all those guys getting snaps and reps. What gives me a little more pause is when we get down to third on the depth chart on the defensive side of the football, that's when you start giving up points late and that's what busts the spread. And that's what makes me nervous. So, yeah, I'm the same with you. If I was putting my hard-earned money on it, I would have a real hard time taking the dogs 38.5-point favorites. That's just – boy, that's a big number. And they've had a hard time covering big number spreads this year. Although, they got back on the horse last week against Auburn, which was great. Uh, so, was in Athens last weekend. It was my dad's first ever trip to Athens, first game between the hedges. And wow. it was not my baby sister's first time in Athens, but it was her first time in Athens for a game weekend. So – we had ourselves a time, brother. And uh, awesome. Stetson ran right into our end zone on the big run. So, that was cool, man. Um, so, yeah. All right, Drew. I feel good about it. I think this is a good pick sheet for you. Plus, I'll, dude, I'll tell you what, man. I actually feel, I feel pretty confident about my picks. Like, last, <laughs> year, last year, I felt like I was kind of just kind of going with probably what most people would do. But, like, pretty good about the dog and a lot of them. So Yeah. Uh, Plus, 
you're you and I are in a lot of games together. So you having a good week means I have a good week and I'm trying in the season long battle to beat James. So I need to have a good week because I have not had a good week here later. later. So I'm, I need to get high. Here, here's what I here's what I do like. Here's here's what I do like. Not one game. There wasn't a single one where you and James both picked against me. So that's right. Yeah, I at least I at least agreed with one of you <laughs> throughout the whole thing. So that makes that's, me feel real good. That's right. You're aligned one way or the other. I like that. I am. Um, all right, Drew. Tell everybody where they can follow you, how they can support you, and all those things. Yeah. Uh, check me out on all my social media at Drew Parker Plays. Uh, check out my website, drewparkermusic.com. All my music's on all streaming platforms, wherever you get your music. Um, check out my tour schedule on my website. Come see us at a show. Uh, buy a t-shirt. Yeah, going to be – I will say this. It has not been announced, uh, and I'm not going to announce it on this, but <laughs> I do think that I will – I do think that I will be coming to Athens very early next year. Ooh. So keep an eye on it. Oh, we like that. We love, love, love that. Um, all right, we'll keep that in y'all's hearts and minds, folks, because there's a couple good venues that Drew could be showing up at in Athens, and that would be outstanding. So a hot start to 2023. So we'll keep that. We'll keep that top of mind for sure. Well, look, Drew, we always love having you, man. Thank you for taking time out of your your evening to pick with us and talk dogs. And uh, we're we're always rooting for you and fired up. You're gonna be playing the Opry again. Can't thank anybody more deserving and, and who will honor it more. So good on you, brother. And uh, go you. dogs, man. Yes, sir. Go dogs. I appreciate you having me. We'll see y'all hopefully again next year. Hey, George is better now.